Group of Five Live is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest sports and casino vendors in the United States. We've teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football Conference Call podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. Five Live is part of the Landry Football Network. My name's Chris Mykoski, and I hope you stepped away from day after election coverage on Wednesday night and enjoyed the fact that the MAC is back. The Mid-American Conference, starting with six games on Wednesday night, and that means finally all of the group of five leagues are playing this season and what a perfect way to begin maction with akron kicking it on sides and the zips recovered it but they did end up losing big to western michigan the broncos as well as buffalo and toledo all won in lopsided fashion the other three matchups were really tight, though. Kent State edged Eastern Michigan by four. Central Michigan and Ohio had a power outage with 117 left in the second quarter. So they headed to the locker room early, took that break, ended up playing the end of the second quarter, and then kicking off to begin the third immediately. The Bobcats scored on the kickoff to start the third quarter, but they didn't put any points on the board after that. As Hustlebelt.com put it, the Chippewas flipped the switch and won 30-27. The end of the Miami Ball State game had the most drama. Tie game, 42 seconds left, and the Red Hawks' Ryan McWood comes up with his first career interception. Zach Kahn punches in the score with 10 seconds to go. Final score, Red Hawks 38, Cardinals 31. We had some Thursday night action in the Mountain West, including Nevada getting to 3-0 on the year. 34-9 winners over Utah State. Carson Strong 411 yards passing and three touchdowns. 
Friday night, we will have a couple of games involving group of five teams. San Jose State versus San Diego State at the Aztecs home away from home in Carson. That is at 8 Central, 6 Pacific time on CBS Sports Network. But the biggest game of the night starts at 8.45 Central, 7.45 Mountain, as it's one of the rare Mountain West non-conference matchups this season. Boise State hosting BYU. The Cougars come in 7-0, ranked 9th. The Broncos 2-0, ranked 21st. And they will vault up in a big way if they're able to win that game against the Cougars. Looking forward to that. Of course, as usual, I'll be consumed with a high school broadcast on Friday night as a sideline reporter for the DFW Game of the Week on our local CW affiliate. So I'll end up catching up on these games via the miracle of unlimited YouTube TV DVR on Saturday morning. But we want to get to our spotlight game for the weekend. And it also comes from the Mountain West as Fresno State gets set to go to UNLV. Excited to have Paul Leffler join us, the radio voice of the Bulldogs since 2009. We talked about the difficult road that Fresno State had getting ready for this season. So little opportunity to actually prepare as you would want to do for a college football season. Not very much time together at all. But it's amazing, the improvement. And we talked a lot about this, the improvement that Fresno State had between game one and game two. They lost 34 to 19 against Hawaii to open things up and then come back and beat Colorado State 38-17 in game number two. Now they'll head on the road for the first time at Allegiant Stadium, take on the Rebels. My conversation with Paul Leffler. Paul, uh, looking at the Fresno B today to kind of look back on last week's game, the headline was Creativity, the Catalyst for the victory over Colorado State. Now, honestly, I can't subscribe to every single daily that covers a group of five teams, so I, I can only see the headlines. So tell me about the creativity that Fresno showed to get that win. Well, I think a lot of it came in the past game. Uh, the previous week against Hawaii, they really didn't utilize the running backs in the past game. There were only three catches the entire game against Hawaii by running backs. I mean, you look at what they did early and often against Colorado State, whether it was Ronnie Rivers or Jordan Mims, they incorporated those guys into the pass game, and that's where their big plays came from. You know, you've got a fourth and two, and you get the ball to Rivers, and he picks up 14, and the next play, he's going all the way for a touchdown. Um, so what they're able to do is creatively getting their playmakers in space in matchups where they believe they have the advantage. And Rivers is a big piece of that. Mims is a big piece of that. And the guy they got involved late for the final touchdown, I think will be an even bigger piece moving forward. And that's Jalen Cropper, who's just electric with the ball in his hands. 
Kalen DeBoer obviously had the most bizarre offseason you can have for a first-year head coach. Tell me, first of all, what your relationship has been like in, in building that in these circumstances when you really cannot do the typical bonding that you normally would get to do with a new head coach. And past that, just the celebration uh, from the guys after getting the first win for him this past weekend. Yeah, you know, I, I'm really thankful for Coach DeBoer and who he is because I think a lot of people would have handled this differently or been more challenged by it. Uh, but I've had it easy. I've been spoiled. The fact that he was here for two years as the offensive coordinator and we got to know him then, you know, before he went away to Indiana certainly helped. You had a baseline relationship. But I think a lot of first time FBS head coaches would be overwhelmed by the hand that he was dealt not just COVID-19, but the moving target of when's the season going to be, and then being perhaps the only school in the country that had no contact with any players, had no student athletes on campus for the entire time until they said the season's going to start in October, and then they got them for four weeks. So to be a first-time head coach dealing with all that and remain as poised and under control and really unflappable through it, it really speaks to who Coach DeBoer is and how he's wired. And I think without you know, having known him a little bit, it would be really tough right now to get to know him. But because I had a prior relationship, seeing him face this challenging time the way he has, has just, I, I think, increased the respect I have for him. And I think really made an impression on this community. Yeah, that's a really interesting point just about the, the hand that Fresno State was dealt. When the Mountain West started to talk about playing football this fall, reversing course, how much did you think about, wow, I don't know how we're going to do this? Or did you just think, you know, with this staff in place, we might be okay? You know, I think if you've been around Fresno and the San Joaquin Valley, the coaches who are really successful here understand the culture. They understand how people are wired. And this is, you know, the most fertile agricultural area in the world. It's hardworking people who don't look at reasons why they can't get it done. They say, hey, we're going to find a way. And that's how this became the most fertile agricultural area is people came here and said, hey, we can funnel some water down this way and you could grow everything with this soil. So it took that ingenuity. And you think of Pat Hill, you know, with his anybody, anytime, anywhere, Jim Sweeney before that saying, I'm going to awaken a sleeping giant here in Fresno, guys who had a vision who said, I don't care what the perceived disadvantages are, we're going to find a, make, a way to make it our advantage. And I think that's Coach DeBoer's mentality. He said, look, I can't change the fact that there are a lot of COVID ca uh, cases in our county and that the president and the administration are being very cautious with that. And they're doing what they believe is the most responsible thing to do. So instead of whining about it and complaining and starting a whispering campaign, as I'm sure happened in other places, yeah. he said, hey, we're going to control what we can control. We'll stay connected on Zoom. I'll get to know my players, get to know my coaches. And as soon as we get a green light, we'll be ready. And I think if you look at Fresno State's improvement from game one to game two, just five days later, uh, you see that these coaches are on it, that they're focused on the things that matter, and they're getting the job done. And Coach DeBoer said afterwards that you're starting to see glimpses of what this team could become with that effort in game two and how, that improvement that you mentioned. And you get to work with Coach Hill on a weekly basis, and I'm sure that's really incredible to be able to not just – be around him, but gain the football knowledge that he passes on. You're learning so much every single day that you're around somebody like that. What were his impressions as you ended that broadcast of game two? Was, was he like, wow, this team 
is was significantly better. This could really be special over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think he was encouraged, and I think a lot of people were. And, you know, the thing with Pat is he knows the game so well. He's been around it so long. He understands the micro and the macro, and he's honest. So, you know, he can see when there's a weakness to a team. He can see when there are real strengths. And, you know, I don't think I'd be out of line to say he believes if this team stays healthy, it can be a championship contender. I think he, like everyone else, uh, was concerned about the defense after the first game. But, you know, in the first half of the game against Colorado State, I think that defense really turned a corner. So there's reason for optimism. And uh, you're right. I do learn a lot from Coach Hill. And we have Cameron Worrell, who played at Fresno State under Pat in six years in the NFL. He's on our broadcast as well. So with those two guys, I mean, you're never going to face a football question that they don't have the answer to. And I, I think my job is just kind of to make sure they're in the right place to, to share that out there and occasionally translate to the people who don't understand all the football lingo that just rolls off their tongues. Uh, but there's also no one who's more invested in Fresno State and you know, the whole idea of the Bulldogs making this a better place to live than Pat and Camp. So it's a real privilege to hang out with those guys every weekend. I love the fact that they're, like you say, guys who will tell it like it is because in certain crews, and we won't name names, but they're rah-rah people who cannot see anything wrong with their hometown team. And those hometown radio broadcasts are really detached from reality. But it seems like on yours, the people who listen to your shows are going to understand what's really going on with this team. Well, you hope so, because if that's not the case, you know, where does your credibility go? If you're not, you know, being honest when things aren't great, how are they going to believe you that they are great? And I think, you know, Pat has a, a good handle for always staying optimistic, always looking toward what can get better and what can change in the future, but being honest about what's happening. And I'll tell you, if he if people had any questions about where his heart was and where his loyalty was, the first couple years of him doing the radio with us were probably the two most difficult years of Fresno State football in forever. And he hung in there and kept talking about it. And he, you know, he stayed upbeat while being honest about the struggles they were going through. And I, I think uh, to see him go through that, to see the pain that his baby is getting pummeled on a mm. weekly basis in that one win season, yeah. you know, but then to come back around when Jeff Tedford took over and see that culminate in a championship, uh, just hearing Pat and Cam celebrating a win over Boise, on the blue turf to win a Mountain West championship. If you didn't feel their passion for the program, um, you weren't listening. But, you know, like you said, they're not detached to an objective view of how good the football actually is. Yeah, no, I love I love to hear stuff like that. You know, the passion that, that exudes from people. And, you know, I've never been part of a hometown broadcast. Like you get to have that connection with your hometown fan base. I've always been the neutral call for, you know, the national network and whatnot. And it, it, you don't get that same connection. What you have is incredibly special. And I get jealous of it on a regular basis. Uh, now, Ronnie Rivers was obviously the biggest star that, that shown the other night. Who else do you think is really going to put themselves out there over the next few weeks as somebody who the nation is really going to start to get to know somebody who's really special that maybe fans outside of the San Joaquin Valley don't know yet. You know, that's a good question. Uh, Jalen Cropper had some moments last year. So I think some people know about him, but he's going to have a much bigger role. And he's just one of those guys that 
when he's on the field, the other side has to know where he is. He's a huge threat in the fly sweep game. You know, as a slot receiver, he's viciously dangerous. They can line him up outside if they want to. He's got tremendous speed, and it wouldn't shock me to see him involved in the return game at some point. Another young receiver, Josh Kelly, he's another young man from Fresno. Uh, didn't get to play as much as he wanted last year, but boy, in the limited fall camp that they had, you know, four weeks worth, he really took a step forward and impressed the coaches. And already we've seen it on the field that for a guy his size, you know, a 6'2 receiver to have the lateral quickness and shift of direction the way Josh does to make people miss, you don't see that all too often. So I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him on some top tens this year. And on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Evan Williams is a sophomore safety who his teammates voted as a team captain, a true sophomore to have that much responsibility on your shoulders that your teammates see you as that big of a leader. I think that speaks volumes for who he is and his football IQ and his ability. And I think if we look maybe a little further in the future, the name that I'm hearing the most uh, since the last game is Tyler Mello. He's a true freshman linebacker, again, from the San Joaquin Valley, Hanford, about 40 minutes south of Fresno. And boy, can he hit, and he loves to fly to contact. So he's mostly special teams right now, but I think we'll see him get more involved defensively. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that the rest of the conference knows his name for the next few years. Looking at UNLV, this is going to be, uh, like everywhere else you go this season, going to be a little bizarre. Only about 2,000 fans are going to be led into this massive new facility and uh, Allegiant Stadium, the Death Star, as they're uh, calling it out that way. Uh, Rebels come in 0-2, haven't been very consistent, but I think probably the biggest storyline I would imagine on your end is uh, who you face in Charles Williams. And we're talking about guys from the Fresno area and uh, getting to see him this weekend for the opposition. Yeah, and Charles is a tremendous player. Uh, he wears number eight, and I think probably for some Bulldog fans, it feels like he's been at UNLV for eight years. Uh, he's actually a member of the Fresno State staff now. J.D. Williams was one of the Bulldogs' all-time greats, was the first first-round draft pick from Fresno State and played in four Super Bowls for the Buffalo Bills. J.D.'s back at Fresno State now, but under a previous coaching staff in Fresno, J.D. was coaching in Las Vegas and recruited Charles to UNLV, and the story at the time was, Fresno State had never offered Charles Williams. They thought he was too small to play in the system at the time. And I'll never forget, you know, we're calling a game his freshman year and Pat and I are doing radio and, and Pat's old high school teammate, Randy Cross, is doing television. And uh, Randy comes into the booth and says, you know, when Charles is on his way to a hundred yard game, I think it was the first of his career at that time and says, hey, did uh, Fresno State not know where Bullard High School was? Pat says, oh, it's just a couple blocks down the street. And then I guess Randy said that on the TV broadcast afterwards. So that's one of those comments that keeps circling back. But I think it just adds intrigue. You have a tremendous senior running back on both teams, two guys who are the complete package, who can really change a game in a split second. So I'm glad that both of them are healthy, that they can both be out there. And people who've watched Fresno State closely will remind you that Ronnie Rivers' best game as a Bulldog came in Las Vegas in a Las Vegas Bowl win over Arizona State. Sometimes these big NFL stadiums, the visiting radio crew gets maybe one of the worst views in the facility. Do you know where you're going to be? I'm worried at, at Cowboy Stadium. I know I've always heard complaints that you're off in the corner behind one of the end zones, and it's, it's really a terrible experience for a broadcaster. 
you know, I, I think we're probably going to be okay, given that it's such a huge stadium that there are so few fans and that you just have a home radio, visiting radio and national TV. I do know what you're talking about. You know, there were many years there where Pat and I actually did the, uh, the national ESPN radio broadcast of the uh, potato bowl in Boise. Okay. And in that situation, you know, you've got a home, a visitor, a TV, yeah. and they put us in the North end zone so high up that you're staring straight down on the field, almost impossible to see numbers. And then you get some rain coming in and, and, you know, you can't open the windows. Uh, yeah. So I know what you're talking about, but I, I think we're going to be okay there. at Allegiant. I'm looking forward to getting a feel for that facility. Cause on television, you know, as we follow Fresno state's Derek Carr and his games there, it looks like a spectacular place. Yeah. No, I mean, everybody around, so I'm based in Dallas and obviously everybody around here, believes the stadium in Arlington is the be all end all. Uh, but the new stadium in Atlanta is amazing. And this new stadium in Las Vegas, I look forward to getting out there someday soon, hopefully. Uh, we were talking about it right before we came on. I always like to close out with something personal and just, you know, about, you know, this trip to Las Vegas, there's no, there's probably no party and it's tough. To, there's probably not a whole lot of shows that are even active right now, but you were mentioning in your trips there, you've spent your, your time in a much different manner than most <laughs> visiting radio crews probably do when they have a game at UNLV. Yeah. And, and it's kind of standard operating procedure for me when I travel and I have time anyway. Um, I've been interviewing World War II veterans for the last 15 years, started that on television, added a, a syndicated radio show. So when I travel for ball games, as long as I have enough time, I connect with World War II veterans uh, in those places. And it doesn't matter where you are all over the country. There are still a few of those guys left. Most of them haven't really talked about their stories. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's just incredible. It reminds you the price that's been paid for our freedom by guys who are really the same age as these college football players I'll be talking about on Saturday. And uh, the perspective that you derive from that, I think, is, is worth far more than the time you invest in it. No, absolutely. Both of my uh, grandfathers served. We lost them both within the last year. And uh, I really, I do appreciate that. I love to get a link from you to share with, with my audience as well. And uh, I'd love to hear those stories. But Paul, really appreciate your time. Saturday, 1230 Pacific on the ESPN radio affiliate in Fresno, Paul, Pat Hill and Cameron Worrell on the call. And if you can't hear their radio broadcast, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network. Paul, really appreciate the time. Great talking to you, Chris. Have a good one. Always love hearing about what these broadcasters are doing beyond the game. And I'm looking forward to listening to Paul's show, Hometown Heroes. You can find that at hometownheroesradio.com. And I will, of course, have that link in the show notes as well. Feel like I need to add some production value to this next segment. <laughs> but uh, I think we're going to go ahead and call it Picks with the Preschooler. Picks, picks, picks with the preschooler. Schooler, schooler, schooler. Each of the conferences that has action on Saturday, we pick one game from each league. And as we've been doing a lot lately, we bring in my assistant, Austin, to give us his selections. Keep in mind, he has not been doing very well with these picks. I think last week lost three out of four 
and we do these straight up. We do not give a four-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old, excuse me, the betting line. <laughs> we go straight up with these games. So let's start off in the Sun Belt, Austin. Arkansas State is at the Louisiana, the Lafayette, Ragin' Cajuns. That's noon Eastern, 11 Central on ESPNU. Both of these teams, Austin, had big wins over Power 5 programs earlier this year. But uh, Arkansas State has fallen on some hard times. Back-to-back losses to App State and Troy. So who wins in Cajun country, Arkansas State or Louisiana Lafayette? Raging Cajuns. The Raging Cajuns. Do you just like that name? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you did. I have a lot of friends down there that work for the Raging Cajuns. I think you met Mr. Lee. Mr. Matt, too. You know Mr. Matt. They both work down there for the Raging Cajuns. So Austin's picking your squad, guys. Mountain West, of course, we're going to talk about Fresno State and UNLV. We just got done with that conversation with Paul. Uh, 3.30 Eastern Time, 2.30 Central, 1.30 Mountain, and 12.30 Pacific Time on CBS Sports Network in Vegas. Austin, Fresno State, the Bulldogs, or the UNLV Rebels? Rebels. Say it a little louder. Rebels! The Rebels. Okay, that would be an upset. Paul's not going to like to hear that. American Athletic Conference. Houston at Cincinnati is the game that most intrigues me. And, oh, you're already giving your pick, Cincinnati. But uh, obviously going forward, the Bearcats are the front runners to uh, be the group of five rep in the New Year's Six Bowl games and still have an opportunity potentially to uh, get their way into the playoff. Obviously, a lot of things would have to happen. It might be a bit of a long shot, but at this point in the season, you have to at least think that it's possible. 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central on ABC. And Austin already gave his pick. We'll let him do it one more time. Houston at Cincinnati. Cincinnati. All right. Conference USA. We will focus on, I think we probably would have talked about La Tech against North Texas, but since that one has been postponed, uh, I'm looking at Western Kentucky at Florida Atlantic. The Hilltoppers coming off a lopsided defeat at BYU, whereas FAU won big. 24 to 3 versus UTSA last time out. That's a six o'clock central kickoff, seven o'clock Eastern syndicated game Hilltop on stadium. Fight. All right. Hilltoppers or owls? Austin, you're saying Hilltoppers? Hilltoppers. All right. That would be another surprise, but you like the underdogs. You usually go with the underdogs, right? You pick, you did pick. Uh, the Raging Cajuns, I think they're the favorites in that game. And you pick Cincinnati. So two underdogs, two favorites. Uh, the Mac does not have any Saturday games. They played all of their games this week on Wednesday. So uh, nothing to talk about there in preview. But we will get back into, uh, back into them to lead off the show next week. Looking back at more midweek Mac action. Maction. You like that? You want to watch Maction with me again next week? No, we took a break from the election on Wednesday, um, the election, the post-election coverage to watch a little maction. 
That was better though. You like you like watching football better than you like watching politics, right? I like football better. Yeah, me too. You want to sing the theme song again? No. Okay. But, goodbye. Can <laughs> I watch it? <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Okay. Okay. Group of Five Live is part of the Landry Football Network. Be sure to subscribe to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get podcasts. Austin and I will talk to you again next Friday. Don't forget to take advantage of our special gaming offer from American betting experts. Go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Thanks to our sponsor, American Betting Experts.